prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... After Shots Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. Okay, perfect. All right, well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Aftershocks here on AftershocksPodcast.com. And joining me today is a frontman and bassist for heavy punk rock champs and sometimes country composers, the Super Suckers, who released their 12th studio record titled Play That Rock and Roll this past February. I'd like to welcome to the podcast from the greatest rock and roll band in the world, Mr. Eddie Spaghetti. Eddie, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Sure, man. Of course. Well, first off, man, you know, with the pandemic, obviously, I know you would normally be out there touring like your usual road dog self and support of the new record. And uh, obviously, if it wasn't, you know, for the virus, and especially for someone like yourself, who not long ago uh, recovered from cancer very successfully, you have to be extra cautious, obviously, right now. So first off, how are you holding up with everything going on in terms of your health and safety right now? Well, everybody in my family's been happy and healthy, and uh, you know, there's it's kind of been, uh, you know, it's a it's a rare treat for me to be home at all, mm-hmm. um, especially for for this amount of time. Um, it's kind of crazy that I've been able to be home for this long. I haven't been home this long since 1992. Wow! And yeah. um, so you know, this is it's it's it, other than stressing about you know money. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of been nice, and nobody in my family's gotten sick, and mm-hmm. um, so you know that's been good. That's cool. You get to spend some time with the kids you normally couldn't do, huh? Oh, for sure, yeah. And that's that's been the the biggest benefit. Awesome, man. Well, speaking, you know, of your your recovery, you uh, you just released a live version, uh, the video and the song uh, for "I Believe in Miracles," uh, Ramon's classic uh, that featured. Of course, in it, uh, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, as well as Bly Markey from your C- uh, Seattle compadres, Zeke. Uh, and it was recorded on the last date of that tour, 2014. And by that time, you were already aware of your diagnosis. So I can imagine, man, what a, a touching moment that was for you. It seemed like just from watching that video, the crowd was really so electric uh, that night, man. So tell us a bit how it feels to sit there and watch that and, you know, watch and listen to that video after, you know, all you've been through with your recovery. Yeah, it brings up a lot of good memories, you know, and, and, you know, it was a tough time I was about to go through. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how hard it was going to be and, you know, how hard it is to to kick cancer's ass. Mm, But, you know, all that love and support I got from everybody that night, uh, you know, it was a, it was really a special thing that happened, you know, and having Eddie come out and, uh, you know, I don't know that I would have recovered so well without his assistance. I mean, he really kind of he got my head around the fact that I need to go to the, you know, the the most specialized specialist I could get a hold of and wow. you know, because we're talking about my voice, you know, that the cancer was in my throat and Sure. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was very very uh sketchy uh business there mm-hmm. to uh just entrust it with just any old Joe just wasn't a good idea. Sure. No, totally understandable, man. Well, let's talk about s- some uh, good news. Here. Let's talk about the last record uh, you just put out in February. Play that rock and roll. Uh, it's your guys' twelfth studio LP now for the band, and uh, you guys record this uh, down in Austin, Texas, at uh, the home studio of Willie Nelson, huh? So, how, how what was that like, man? That must have been a really awesome we experience. Did. 
Yeah, it was cool. It's actually the second time I've got to record there. The first time was when we did Must Have Been High back in the 1900s. So it's been a, it's been a long time, and that studio sure. had, been, had been shut down, and, and uh, I mean, they're just now kind of reopening it, and, and it's going through some renovations. And, mm. you know, this was in the before times. I don't know what they're doing now, but, um, uh, and it was it was really great to be there. You know, we didn't. Uh, it wasn't like we were making a, a country record. We were intentionally making like a balls out, you know, kind of almost like a party rock and roll record. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still, you know, a lot of that ju- a lot of that Willie Juju is in there. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Yeah, and and the thing about the new record I've uh, I've noticed is it's it's real uh, more musically diverse. I think in terms of the overall album. So like, for instance, I mean, obviously you, you guys throw a whole bunch of stuff into the super suckers punch bowl. there, more than just your heavy punk rock. I mean, you got blues country rockabilly, you name it. Uh, but more often than not, the band does tend from what I've, you know, observed just being a fan, you tend to lean strongly, usually in one uh, particular direction on a full length, you know, for example, like with evil powers and get to hell, that was more of a straight driving hard rock records, you know, get it together, had more, blues and even some folk in there and of course the country records um so but with play that rock and roll man i think there's sort of a potpourri of all your sounds so i mean do you feel like it right now is the band are you guys you know you're at that point where you're now really comfortable about incorporating more of an overall blend of all the mix of your songs and styles that you've had um on the on the record because same with the last record the previous record suck it was pretty similar too i noticed as well Yeah, I feel like now, you know, with, with each of these last two records we did, both suck it and play that rock and roll, the intention uh, at the start of the record, or the writing process was to sort of do like a half and half, like almost mm. half country, half rock record. And okay. uh, <laughs> we're just, we're such a rock and roll machine that it's it's impossible to stick to that, you know? Sure, yeah. We're like, oh, this song just sounds like it's going to be so much better as a rock song. So uh-huh. we're just going to go ahead and do it. Uh-huh. And you know we 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 do have a couple. There's a country song on each one of these records, but um, mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not your traditional sort of, uh, you know, I don't know truck your barbecue in your back of your truck and drinking a bunch mm-hmm. of Coors type of country music. It's you know it's twisted and you mm-hmm. know it's, it's through the the weird vision of the Super Suckers. And uh, I do feel like this lineup of the Super Suckers is. Uh, is the best the band has ever been. I, I've never mm. been involved in a in a band that's got all the members are on the same page. Everybody gets along. Everybody's mm. creative. Um, you know, I've never been a part of something that's this cohesive before. And uh, mm. I got to tell you, it's a joy to go to work with these guys every day. When I when and I miss them like crazy right now. Sure, I, mean, I, can, I can imagine. Yeah, it's got to be real tough. Uh, you know, I do love on the record, I love the choice of the cover, the Dead Jail uh, or Rock and Roll by uh, the great Michael Monroe. I mean, when I first heard it, I just thought it made perfect sense for you guys to cover that song because you both have a very sort of, you know, similar sort of sound, but really the same attitude with that gritty rock and roll approach. So what made you go for that track on this album? Because I think, you know, you guys, I think, pulled it off fantastically. I lost you. I see that you're talking, but I can't hear you. You can't hear me? Hold on one second. Can you hear me now? I cannot hear you. Hold on one. Okay, hold on one second. I'm, I'm going to just. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now at all? I cannot hear you. All right. I'm going to. Hold on one second. 
Just stay in one, one second. All right. One there second. you are. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Now I can. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do that question over again. Um, so I was talking about, I love the choice uh, that you guys did to cover the dead jail and rock and roll song by Michael Monroe. And I think you guys did a great job pulling that off. What made you go with that track uh, on the record? Uh, you know, just kind of fit the whole vibe of the record. We were kind of going for more kind of a, almost like a glam rocky sort of a, a sound on the record. And, uh, okay. you know, he's he's one of my favorite glam rockers of all time. Sure. And uh, we, we wanted a song for Marty to sing. And it was just such a perfect song for him to sing. Uh, it's it's practically, it sounds like it's was written for him. You know, it's mm-hmm. he's literally the guy who epitomizes, you know, it's dead jailer rock and roll for him for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so uh, just real quick, man, I want to talk a little bit about your past, about back in the sub pop days, you know, because, you know, your guys' story is a real interesting one, man. For the, for the listeners that don't know, uh, you guys all grew up in, uh, well, at least yourself and, and the previous members grew up in Arizona. You moved to Seattle, you know, which is quite the contrast going from uh, Arizona to Seattle back in the day. And then you wound up, of course, uh, getting signed by none other than, you know, one of the biggest independent labels, you know, of all time with Sub Pop. Yet you guys were such a different band than the grunge and alternative acts that were on the roster at that time. So, I mean, if you take us back just a little bit to the early days, I mean, the first question I, I guess I always wondered was, what made you go to Seattle when, you know, there were such strong punk rock scenes in places like L.A., San Francisco, and Portland? What made you pick Seattle out of all the cities? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we, we we never really wanted to go to L.A. because we just felt like that was too, that's what a band from Tucson did. Mm-hmm. You know, any band that had any sort of ambition at all went to L.A. And okay. we were so contrary by nature, you know. I think it was just our our contrary attitude that, that steered me away from wanting to go to L.A. Okay. So I, I had a friend who I, I knew who lived up in Phoenix, and he had a band called The Best Kissers in the World. Okay. And they they had actually moved up to uh, Seattle, okay, from from Phoenix, like maybe a, a almost a year before we did. Okay. And I kept in touch with him, and his name is Danny Bland, and uh, he wound up being our manager after a while. Mm-hmm. And um, he uh, he was like, "Dude, you got to come up to Seattle. It's awesome up here. You can wear your leather jacket into June, and there's like four bars you can play at. You know, in Tucson there was." <laughs> There was one bar we could play at, and you couldn't uh, wear you could wear a leather jacket maybe for a month out of the whole year. So, mm-hmm. just you know, the weather wise, it sounded cool, and you know, we didn't mm-hmm. know that there was any sort of scene up in Seattle. Okay. We literally thought we were going to be the best band that anybody had ever seen up there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we get there, and this was after we literally flipped a coin mm-hmm. between uh, New Orleans and Seattle. Oh, wow. Okay. And Seattle went in New Orleans. We just thought it sounded cool. It just seemed like a mm. cool place to go. And mm. I'm glad we, I'm glad it didn't win the toss. Cause I reckon we'd probably, <laughs> we'd probably be dead if we would have moved up there. It was, it was things got ugly enough in Seattle, but it was real wild uh, in New Orleans. Sure. Um, man. Uh, yeah. So we get up to Seattle and we quickly see that not only are we not the best band that they've ever seen, we're far from it. 
Mm. And we had a lot of work to do. You know, there was Nirvana was already there. Mud Honey was already there. Soundgarden mm. was already there. And all these bands were going on. And there was a whole scene up there. We didn't know anything. We didn't know about sub pop records or any of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got there and we saw this vibrant scene. I liken it to uh, the scene in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy's in that. Everything's all black and white. Uh-huh. And then... And then she gets sucked up in the tornado and she lands uh-huh. and she opens the door and everything's in bright color. Yeah. That was that was <laughs> kind of what it was like for us from going from Tucson to up to Seattle. Everything all of a sudden was in vivid technicolor and it was an awesome time to be. We couldn't pick a better time to show sure. up. I mean, the, the place was just fixing to explode and you mm-hmm. could feel it when when we got there in eighty nine we got there and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were we were so new there was no no bands were moving to seattle you know mm. when and so they were everybody was really welcoming it wasn't like this attitude that after a, a few years came to be where like all these bands were moving to seattle to capitalize on the whole grunge scene or whatever but we were one of the mm. first bands that ever relocated up there so everyone mm. was super welcoming and you know it was real cool very cool, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of record labels, I, I just recently I was made aware of, I had no idea that, um, you know, uh, you guys uh, at one point in the late nineties day, you guys were actually signed to Inter- Interscope records. Um, but obviously with that whole universal uh, music group merger, things kind of went uh, down. Was that for, were you guys going to release the evil powers record on Interscope? Was that part of the deal or? Yeah, we had recorded most of those songs mm-hmm. uh, with a fellow named Tom Worman who recorded Cheap Trick and did mm-hmm. Motley Crue and um, Ted Nugent records. And, you know, he was a he was a big sticking deal. And we recorded this pretty awesome record mm-hmm. that you know, has yet to ever see the light of day because, you know, a lot of those songs became what uh, are known as the Evil Powers of Rock and Roll record. But uh mm-hmm. You know, like that song, The Evil Powers of Rock and Roll, hadn't been written yet, and I Want the Drugs hadn't been written. And okay. there's a few, few, few songs that you know were made up in the in between the Interscope record and uh, the Evil Powers. But yeah, it's largely what would have been the Evil Powers record was recorded for Interscope. So it's basically like we spent, I don't know, hundred thousand dollars in pre-production yeah. for what wound up being like an, an eight thousand dollar record. Shit, <laughs> man. Yeah, good old, good old major labels, man. They'll, they'll do that to you, huh? Um, well, listen, man. I, you know, last year I saw you guys twice up here. I'm in the Bay Area, um, and I saw you guys do uh, the show for Evil Powers and uh, La Mano Carnuda. And uh, you know, the, the when I went to see the Evil Powers show, man, it was here in Oakland, and uh, man, the, the crowd was really—I don't know if you remember—it it was. It started out real bad, man. It's pathetic. You know, like, I think I was, it was like, I was personally upset because that was, I've been waiting to see you guys play those songs, man, for years. And um, it's my favorite record by you guys. And it was like maybe me and one other guy, like, singing the songs, man. I, I mean, granted, it was a Tuesday night. It was middle of the week, man. But still, to me, it's no excuse. And, you know, I was just interested to see, you know, what the reaction was going to be. You know what I mean? Because Super Sucker shows, man, are always very intimate, very uplifting and energetic. And, um, you know, and this isn't to blow smoke up your ass or something, but I was watching you, and, man, you sat there. You very calmly were, like, you know, looking around. You studied the room. You told a few stories, a couple of jokes. You really got the crowd's attention. You played, a fl- you know, a few fan favorites, man. And then the next thing you know, the whole place was was moving, and it was a great rest of the show. Uh, and it's something, I got to say, I, I very rarely see. Uh, you know, normally when the crowd's kind of lethargic and a little, you know, dour, 
most of the, you know, uh, the, the, the musicians will start to get like, come on, let's fucking get up. Let's go. But man, you did it real calmly collectively. And it, you wound up just basically winning over the crowd. I mean, how do you do it, man? How are you able to really motivate a lethargic crowd like that? Cause that's something that I don't think I've ever seen done before. I mean, it was pretty awesome. I gotta say. <laughs> well, thanks for noticing. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I've never really tried to take anything out on the audience. I don't like it when somebody's yelling at me ever. Mm -hmm, and sure. it doesn't, that doesn't change when I'm in the audience. And it's mm -hmm. something I actually uh, learned from Lemmy. When we were mm -hmm. touring with Lemmy, I kind of noticed that in between songs, he's not screaming at the audience. He's just, he's talking to them. You know, he's mm -hmm. just, he gets down on their level and he, and he, he's real even keel and he, He's not mm. yelling. He's just saying what he has to say, and he goes on with his show. Mm. And I just feel like it's such a better approach to just be, you know, cool. And and if there's not enough people there at the show, it's mm. not the people's fault who are there. Yeah. You, know, you don't mm. you don't want to make the people that did show up feel bad. So true. I always just kind of pretend like there's a lot of people there, even if there's not, and just kind of get on with the the business of entertaining people. Sure, man. No, you do. You do it just as good as anyone I've seen, man. You really have. And uh, and speaking of, you know, uh, I was wondering too. I know you've you've done a bunch of solo records in the past. Um, that you know, obviously, were songs that weren't necessarily in line with the super sucker sound. But with all this downtime you got now, is that something you're thinking about doing? Are you going to do any more solo records? Or are you going to just continue to sort of incorporate all your different styles into uh, super sucker records? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ever since we've got this lineup of the Super Suckers, I just haven't been as motivated to do anything on my own because mm -hmm. these guys are so game to do whatever I want anyway. So there's sure. not that motivation to branch out and do something separate from the band anymore because the band is basically doing everything I want them to do. And if I were to make a solo record, I'd want mm -hmm. these two guys to be on it anyway. So okay. there's gotcha. not much point in it right now. Although, you know... Mm being here at home by myself like i could see doing something just by myself you know with nobody mm. else on it because that's just how you have to work right now so that mm. that's on the table i suppose sure man so yeah just one last question for you um you know what, what's i mean i know obviously, obviously everything's up in the air you know we don't know how long it's going to be till live music comes back but What's your ideal, I guess, post-pandemic plan? I mean, for instance, they've got these shows going on in like Germany and Switzerland, the drive-in concerts. Is that something you'd be willing to do? I mean, what's your kind of what's your what do you what's your ideal plan once this all comes to a hopefully an end soon? Well, you know, I I would love to think that we have enough fans to pull off one of these drive-in shows, but mm. the fact of the matter is, we're just not popular enough for that to really work for us. I mean, mm. it would look pretty meager with you know our uh, even if a hundred people showed up you know it would be a it'd have to be at a super enormous place and sure you know, it just you know the i don't know why we're not more popular than we are i mean mm -hmm. in my in my mind we, we should be as popular as anybody we we make as good a rock as the foo fighters or you know fucking sure. jam or u2 or any any popular band uh yeah mm -hmm. I, I feel like our music is as good as theirs any day of the week yeah. But, you know, the people have spoken. I think it's probably the same reason that, you know, McDonald's are the most popular hamburgers. They're the shittiest yeah. hamburgers. But <laughs> people like shitty stuff. People like so. shitty stuff. They do. Yeah. It's, it's it's a phenomenon. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what else can you do right now? I mean, you've done, I know I, I see you doing a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, through social media to really connect with your fans still. 
Um, uh, what else can you do other than, you know, obviously do a podcast or, you know, do what you're doing, uh, you know, you're playing songs and, you know, uh, the cameo stuff. I mean, I guess you just got to be real creative these days. You guys maybe thinking of doing like a live stream show or something like that? Yes, it's hard for us because we don't. We all live in different cities, so it's okay. not like we're all in the same town just hanging out together in the downtime. Sure. You know, we, it, would, it would involve at least one of us getting on an airplane, which none of us mm. want to do right now. Yeah. And um, you know, we, okay. we've got to convene somewhere and find a place to rehearse. And you know, it's a it's a big to do, which we never really had to worry about because we were touring so much. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, we were always together anyway. If we wanted to work on a new song, we would just load in the gear for sound check early and do it then. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that all of everything, the way we were used to working is out the window right now. So sure. in the ideal, in the ideal world, things will go back to where they were, where people don't mind cramming themselves into too small a place with too many mm -hmm. people and getting all sweaty all over each other. But, you yeah. know, yeah. I don't I see that happening anytime soon. So yeah, right now it's all just try to be creative online and try to get people to, you know, chip in and help out whenever they can and just find new and different creative ways to do that. Sure. Well, you know, in the meantime, what they can do is they can go and they can pick up, play that rock and roll, uh, the latest release from Super Suckers. And Eddie, once you uh, to close this out, once you go ahead and uh, well, first off, once you go throw some plugs out there for the listeners. So where they can, you know, go ahead and purchase your music and your merchandise and everything else you got to offer. Yeah, go to supersuckers.com and hook yourself up with uh, some merch. We're, uh, we've just recently moved our uh, merch store, and uh, it's going to be a lot more proactive and interactive now. And um, uh, also go to acetate.com. That's our record label. You can get your Play That Rock and Roll there. And, you know, check out my Instagram. It's uh, Spaghetti666. And... Um, Eddie Spaghetti on Facebook. I'm doing all sorts of things every day there. So, um, yeah, just in fact, uh, tomorrow in, at four o'clock Pacific time, I'll be doing a, uh, I don't know when this thing's going to air. So I don't know if it'll still be tomorrow, but Friday. We'll uh, air it this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I will have done this thing on Facebook where I'm going to be doing some requests and, uh, you okay. know, fielding questions and just kind of being there for people. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm trying to keep it going. All right. Awesome, man. Well, you know, traditionally what we do here, Eddie, is we end the uh, podcast. We like to end it uh, with a song from our guests on here. So why don't you go ahead and pick off, pick a song off of uh, Play That Rock and Roll and tell us a, a quick story about it, if you will, because I know you've got, you're great at telling stories about your songs. And then we'll go ahead and we'll close it out with that. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see. Let's hear um, Play That Rock and Roll, the title track from the record. And okay. it's a kind of a funny song because I found, you know, we were, we, we were in the rehearsal studio. We were pre-production, pre-producing, I guess, for the record mm. that, that we made, which mm. is what we do, which is our process. We go to, into like a kind of a shitty rehearsal studio and hash out the songs so that there's no surprises in the studio. So when mm. we get in the studio, when we're on the clock paying the money for it, we're able to just get it done real quick. Sure. And, okay. um, so we're in there and I'm, I'm going through my old notebooks and I'm looking and I found these lyrics to a song called play some rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was these lyrics. I had obviously written these lyrics back when the Ramones and Motorhead were still active. Okay. And, uh, so the song sort of takes place in the past because I'm saying, let's go see the Ramones, you know? Oh, and nice. Then, yeah. And then let's go see Motorhead. So, 
-hmm. You know, it's it's sort of interesting that I, I resurrected these lyrics. I don't know, it must have been at least 20 years later or something like that. So uh, it's kind of cool that, you know, as long as I hang on to these ideas, you know, you never know when they're going to come up. Sure. Absolutely, man. Well, here it is. Play that rock and roll. Super suckers here. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions Please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. <laughs>